This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Happy New Year. Look at that person next to you and say, I'm glad you're alive. Well, there's a couple people that don't care about the person next to them, I can see. How many of you are glad that you're alive today? Seems like last year since I saw some of you. <laughs> and today uh, we're delighted to uh, be finishing up our, I don't know, what was it, six-part series on uh, your best pay pathway to health extreme makeover. And uh, I've been tasked to talking today about uh, God's promise of protection for those involved in medical missionary work. And I'm excited about what I'm going to share because I've learned so much uh, as a result of uh, being involved in these major clinics. And I'm also excited about what uh, is being called for and what's happening uh, around the country in terms of people's interest in many clinics in their own cities like, uh, that are somewhat like the Pathway to Health larger clinics. How many of you have heard anything about the many clinics in, in your local, local towns? How many of you have heard about Pathway to Health? You know what that's about. So it's taking that big concept and then bringing it to smaller towns. But like I said the other day, you know, we have a population, at least on the sign of 50 in the town where I live, and we've done a number of little clinics. And it just is a very... Uh, it's a very positive thing that happens as a result of these clinics. Um, and if you're interested in knowing more about the, uh, thing, the plans for the mini clinics and whatnot, Ann and Grace in the back can talk with you. And also, those of you who have been to every single one of the seminars, we have your Best Pathway to Health uh, Owner's Manual, your, your, your book at the end that you'll be able to pick up. Well, let's pray together, and then we'll, uh, we'll begin our, our time together in terms of study. Father in heaven, Lord, today we're thankful for the Sabbath day, um, a day that is filled with uh, healing as a result of your presence in a sp special way. You rested on this day, and uh, you meant it as a day of study, uh, reflection, and relationship with you, and holy deeds. And so today as we talk about the Sabbath and as we talk about the protection that comes from medical missionary work, I do ask that your spirit could be with us. We come in Christ's name. Amen. I think we have a sound problem. <laughs> Isaiah 58. Okay, let's try this. Isaiah 58 and God's promise of protection. Um, when America started a long time ago, there was a famous battle called the Battle of Hubbardton. And this Battle of Hubbardton fought in upstate New York um, was what some consider the only reason that we have uh, America today, the United States of America. It wasn't um, a battle that uh, was a vanguard-type battle. It wasn't a battle where the, uh, the most elite troops and not, or were charging forward, but it was a rear guard battle. And you can see on the book title, the rear guard action 
that saved America. And uh, rare, barely 2,000 men fought at Hubbardton, but we should not measure this engagement in terms of numbers. The battle is significant, eclipses the size of the forces committed. This fiercely fought, notice what it was called, rear guard action may have lasted scant hours, but the valor of those hours saved the Northern Continental Army and perhaps the American cause itself. Sometimes we are involved in a fight that doesn't seem that glamorous. Uh, it's not the beginning, but it's the end. And how many of you believe that we live at the time of the end? How many believe that Christ is coming soon? And how many believe there's going to be a final fight right at the end? This is not the vanguard fight. This is not the beginning of the fight. This is not the war that began in heaven where Michael and his angels fought and were cast down in Revelation 12. This is the rear guard action. This is the body of Christ, the faithful, the remnant, the stragglers, those who go through the final conflict. It is the rear guard action. Many armies have this understanding, and they always thought not just about the vanguard action, that's the troops in the front with their spears down, but also the rear guard action. There's the Greeks with their spears in the back, and they would push the ones in the front forward, and they would come up, and then their spears would come down, and they would literally walk over their enemy to win the battle. So which was the most bloody? It was the rear guard action, wasn't it? Here they are walking over the corpses of the people that fell away or, or, or died, not for the faint-hearted. The, the, the Romans also understood this, and they would use their shields to push one another along, and, and then they would, uh, they would go forward, and they understood not only vanguard, but rearguard action. And even in the animal kingdom, <laughs> you can see that there are those that go forward, and they look forward. They're all looking forward to maybe the prey, and then there's that one little guy in the back. He's looking backwards, making sure no one's coming up from behind. That's the rearguard action. And uh, Christ is described with similar terminology. He's the author, that's the vanguard action, and the finisher, that's the rearguard action. He's the alpha, and he's the omega. He's the first, and he's the last. How many are thankful that Jesus is with us no matter what part of the fight we are in? It's with us whether or not we're in the vanguard or the rearguard. Which is, which is the most simple when you're doing a health event? Is it getting things started or is it finishing things up? Is it going there and making sure everybody arrives or is it following through with the details when everybody's left? <laughs> I can assure you that the rear guard action is much more testing to your character than the vanguard action. Now, with that in mind, I want to bring this promise up, and this is where we get the whole title for this message, and it's from Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 8. You can read it with me. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. There it is. Righteousness, vanguard action, glory of the Lord, your rear guard. All right. Now, there's a couple observations concerning this promise. First of all, the wider context. Um, I think I might have some small pocketbooks left tonight at the Weimar booth that, of a small pocketbook that talks about this DeSozo book. But if you want to read what I'm about to cover on one slide, it's a whole book that I think everyone should read because it gives you an idea of 
the context of Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 starts with the verse that says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Remember that? And uh, it goes on to describe language that sounds a lot like the Day of Atonement. Tell my people their transgressions and whatnot. It's a judgment. And then Isaiah 58 ends with these words. If you turn your foot away from the Sabbath day, from doing your own delight, you know, seeking your own pleasure on my holy day. I remember this. I will, I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob. By the way, Jacob, was he doing a vanguard or rearguard action when he was fed with that heritage? It was a rearguard action. It was a fight right at the end, right? So the problem in Isaiah 58, just to look at that, is th there were preaching, there were prayers, there were, there were all kinds of things going on, but God was not hearing, there was no light, and there was no loud cry. There was no outpouring of the glory of the Lord. Why was that? Um, because uh, they had lost the love of Christ, and the solution would be to discover the love of Christ, Christ's likeness, medical missionary work, and then the loud cry would return. By the way, how many think we need the loud cry if we're going to finish rear guard military action for the Lord? You understand? So the wider context, and I'm not going to go through it all with you today, but Isaiah 58 in the wider context, that's what we're talking about. And that's where that promise that God will be your reward actually comes in. So let's take a closer look at this rear guard action through Scripture today. And I like talking about this on the Sabbath day especially because there are Sabbath elements to medical missionary work. Okay? So we'll look at the rear guard action um, and the Exodus observation. In other words, we'll look at the Exodus story. We'll look at the Isaiah observation, the end time promise, the prophetic perspective, and then an end time application. First of all, let's look at the Exodus observation. Do you remember the children of Israel? They were in Egypt. Were there any diseases in Egypt? There were all kinds of diseases. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 15, that the diseases of the Egyptians actually clung to them. And the children of Israel actually had those diseases. Did they need a health message? Yes, they did. Did they need an exit? Did they need an exodus? Right. X to come out, Odas, the metered, measured way out. God was going to lead them out step by step, and how did he do that? He, he inflicted or allowed plagues to come upon them so that they would let go of that which was harmful and then grasp that which was good. First four plagues fell on who? Everybody. And then the last fell just on the Egyptians, right? And then finally, they let them go. Why did they let them go? It says in Exodus chapter 5, you can go that you might rest. The reason they let them go was so that they could do what? They could rest. What kind of rest was that? That was Sabbath rest. That's the reason they were let go. How many think God is interested in the Sabbath? And they, they uh, he let them go. And, uh, you know, they were having all those diseases. Perhaps it could be said that the reason that they actually got better in the wilderness was because finally they got the rest cycle that they needed from God. And they got the nutrition they needed. Anyway, so as they were leaving, what happens? God led his people with his right hand, his right arm, away from the sin and sickness and slavery of Egypt, uh, to the Sabbath, the sanctuary, and to, his, and to his healing. This was his vanguard action. 
This was the fight against Pharaoh. And they came out, and they went back to Sinai, where the law had been delivered, right? And that's what happened. And as they were leaving, did, uh, did the Egyptians just enjoy so much? Did they give them, like, you know, flowers as they were leaving and said, thank you so much for all you've done? No, they didn't do that, did they? They turned on them, and uh, they were trying to do them in. And what happened? As a result of that, God's cloud and fire that had been in front of them, leading them in vanguard action, what did it do? It went to the very rear and started to do what kind of action? Rear ward or rear guard action. Uh, his rear ward action moved behind them. It disallowed the Egyptians from being successful in their last attempt to destroy God's people. Here they were coming, and it looked like they would be done in, but God himself intervened. And they were able to escape. How many are thankful for God's vanguard and rearguard action on behalf of his people? So the rearward or your rearguard, uh, Israel's experience in the wilderness, as we walk in the ways of God's choosing, we can be sure of his protecting presence. Can you say amen? So as we are walking in his will and everything we do, then he's going to protect us. How many think you need that assurance if you're going to do a pathway to health event? Do you need that assurance if you're going to have any kind of evangelistic event? You see, that's the whole thing. If you're raising children, do you need that? If you're raising your parents, do you need that? You know, you know. So the practical application is, um, if we walk in his will and his ways, he'll take care not only the vanguard action, but the rearward as well. Now let's look at the Isaiah Observation. We looked at the Exodus. Um, now, by the way, if you'd like to listen to a bunch of messages on that right hand, years ago at Amen in 2006, I did a series of messages on that. You can listen to those on Audioverse. And it's worth your time because the right hand, by the way, just briefly, the right hand was used by God in the act of creation, and it was used by God in the act of redemption. And there's two times the commandments are given in the Old Testament. One is connected to creation, the Exodus 21, four and six days they made heaven and earth. And the other, Deuteronomy 5, is tied to redemption. So in other words, God's uh, bringing out of his people was with his right hand. And it's connected with both his creative act and his redemptive act. And both of those things are operative in health evangelism. You understand what I'm saying? Um, it's like the law of God. Now, look at Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 applies the Exodus deliverance to God's remnant who see the Day of Atonement and the Sabbath is important. I already showed you that, right? It starts with the Day of Atonement, ends with the Sabbath. And um, Christ's righteousness, which is received and shared with others, it says, will go before the remnant. My righteousness will go before. How many of the text that says that? We just read it. Isaiah 58, verse 8. Opening doors for his cause. Now, the, one of the most exciting things that happens in health evangelism is that doors open that you never would think would open. We heard about some of the miracle stories over the week. Just amazing things happen. You find yourself talking to people you never dreamed possible you would talk to. Because that's the vanguard action. I know when, over the years in health evangelism, I would talk to people there's absolutely no other way. I'll tell you just one brief story. I remember we were doing a program in our church and it was quite successful. And one of the people that went through it was sharing their testimony with their employer. Their employer happened to be the Boeing Corporation. So they, they told the Boeing Corporation. And then 
he came to me off the cuff at a midweek service and said, would you, um, uh, would you come and make a presentation at my workplace? I didn't really know where he worked. And I said, yeah, just call me the day before, because I don't like to overthink these things. And you have to understand that uh, I do sometimes overthink things. So, uh, but then he called me the day before, like a couple days before, and he said, I said, where, where, by the way, do you work? He said, the Boeing Corporation. I said, the Boeing Corporation? And I realized that was 35,000 people at the corporation. They had eight physicians on staff. So I called up my friend Phil, and I said, Phil, I'm in a little bit of a problem here. I'm supposed to make a presentation at the Boeing Corporation before all the physicians and, I guess, some of the executive committee there. He said, why didn't you tell me about this? I said, that's a long story. Can you help me? We stayed up all night. We made a presentation because the door had opened with Vanguard Action. We went there. We got through with the presentation, complete with the guy sharing his testimony about what happened. And guess what they said? Will you be able to do this for the Boeing Corporation? The short answer is no, of course not. you got 35,000 people, and we have a church of 100 people. But how many think it's amazing what God does? We said, we can take your top engineers and different things and put them through the next program. And, and it's amazing what doors have opened. The same thing has happened in Pathway events. Doors have opened in major cities with administrations you never would talk to or think you could, and in the media and everything else. And it's, it's, it's really gone around the country, and there are cities that are lining up for that. And by the way, in your own local context, in wherever you live, whether it be a, a town of 50 or 500 of 6,000 of 30,000 or uh, whatever, doors will open up there as well. That's the vanguard action. And then his glory, it says, will go behind the remnant. That is the rear, rear guard action, protecting them from the final attacks of the enemy. So that's the Isaiah observation that we looked at already a couple times. Now, number three, an end time promise. Focusing on medical missionary work or comprehensive health ministry, I believe, will be key at end time. Now, why is that? The promise of right-hand vanguard direction and rearguard protection that we have just considered comes alive when we look at this following quote. Are you ready? This is one of the great quotes, I think, that describes this. When properly conducted, now what does that mean, properly conducted? It means according to God's will, within the confines of his will, yes or no? If we don't compromise anything and we're properly conducting things, what's the promise? The health work is an entering wedge making a way for other truths to reach the heart. That's vanguard action. So if we don't compromise and if we're doing God's will, the health work opens up people. I remember one guy came to one, uh, well, let me just talk about pathways because I can tell a story about pathways too. In these pathway events, I mean, myself personally, I've had seven people directly ask me to join the Adventist church that day. A couple of them were ministers of other denominations. That's vanguard action. Can you say Amen. And it's just because they said, they asked me about different aspects of the program. Well, tell me why you do it this way. What are you doing this? How did you think of this? How do you think of that? The vanguard action, if health work is properly conducted, will open up a way for other truths to reach the heart. Uh, now, by the way, i say one other thing. i got to say one other thing here. If you do health ministry right, it displays 
the gospel and the truth of your doctrines without even studying them with people. How many of you like it, would think it's, uh, you had two scenarios? One is, look, I got to give a Bible study with someone and take 16 apologetics courses and be able to talk them into this and talk them into that. Uh, it's got that approach. And then you get the other approach where they say, how do I join your church? Which one is more interesting to you? <laughs> you know? And, and I got to tell you, after years of teaching apologetics and doing that kind of stuff, you can't argue people into the church anyway. They just talk to you at the front door. They might even say, yes, so you'll leave. They might even buy your book, so you will leave. But if you want to win the heart, you practically serve them. And guess what? Then they say, how is it that I can join your church? Um, when the third angel's message is received in its fullness, which angel's message? So that means how many are before that? Where is this found? Revelation and there's the first angel, second angel, third angel. So there's three, two, one. Then what comes next? Blast off. It's the second coming, right? So this is the message just before the second coming. When the third angel's message is received in its fullness, health reform will be given its place. Notice this. And this is happening. This is happening as a result of many health initiatives, but we've certainly seen it as a leadership team of pathways. When it's given its place... In the councils of the conference, many conferences are now interested in this. In the work of the church, many local churches are now interested in this. In the home and at the table, <laughs> and in the household arrangements, then the right arm, well, what does it say? Read it with me. Will serve and protect the body. That's rear guard action. How many want that to happen? So we have the vanguard action and we have the rear guard action. And this is exactly what Isaiah 58 was talking about, this rear guard action. Bridges to Health has, I believe, been a protection already to the church. Uh, we are this year in an election, well, we're not, I guess, yeah, this year is an election year, isn't it? And there are a number of candidates, some of which have ties with our church. And so the church itself has come into massive exposure. Every single doctrine of the church is in the press. Every single one. I have collected all the articles, and I can have a news article that I pull out to talk about any Adventist doctrine. And I have them all categorized. I say, okay, I want to talk to this person about the state of the dead. What news article do I bring out? I bring it out, and I say, I noticed this in the news. What do you think? Boom. Can you say amen? That's the vanguard action. But also there's been rearguard action as well because there's great scrutiny that comes upon anybody within a political campaign and so they try anything to knock each other out and they'll talk about their religion or this or that. Uh, the last election cycle there was someone who happened to be of the Mormon, a Mormon religion. How many remember that factored big? And then it doesn't matter what it is. It starts to be talked about and scrutinized. And so I was listening one day and this whole thing came up and there was an interview with some of the people that were the leadership of the Adventist church and they were on the air and guess what they did? They said, well, let me tell you what Adventists, what Adventists really do for the community. Let me tell you about the Pathway to Health event in San Antonio. And went through and said, look, all these people came through. He told a bunch of stories and the people were like, really? Wow, wow, wow. And then they ended that, you know, that broadcast by saying, we had no idea. Thank you for what you're doing for the country. What was that? That was protection from medical missionary work. How many think that's beautiful? That's what happens.
And this is what happened with the bridges to health and creating a sanctuary of hell. You know, the first pathway event, which was called Bridges, we went there and we went to the, uh, what was that called? Armory, yeah, the armory. And I had no idea where the armory was. I don't usually visit armories in town. Maybe I should start to. I'll tell you why after this. So I told my students, just go to the armory, and I'll meet you there. And so they went to the armory, and they went to the wrong side of the armory. This is the armory building. And it says kink.gon. But this, don't look it up, don't Google it. But there's a, a pornographic studio on the one side. And my students from Weimar arrived, and they went to the side of the armory where there was a pornographic studio. And they greet them at the door. I said, are you the talent for today? And they were like, what do you mean talent? <laughs> and then they discovered that this was a pornographic studio. They called me on the phone. Pastor Don, where did you send us? <laughs> and I was like, I was speechless. I'm normally not speechless. I was like, uh, go or leave. Just get out of there quickly. Go into the street. Uh, stay on the phone with me. <laughs> and go to the other side of the building. And that's where the clinic was. This was the kind of place it was. One guy said to me, you know what? We don't know why you're here. They get in arguments on the street when people said they're going to give extra eggs away. And here you are. We don't know who you are, but you're going to get hurt. This was a dark place. And I told, mentioned this the other day, but I'll mention it again today. And, uh, oh man, I could tell you so many stories. Anyway, to make a long story short, after, after a couple days there, there were no criminal incidents. There were no fights. I mean, look, they were in this line, and all of the people were playing music and singing to them in line. And then one guy, I remember one guy was, uh, he, uh, one lady, he was, she was really upset. I've waited here all night. She started to get really upset. And a bunch of the people in the line itself, I heard it myself, they said, why are you complaining? If you don't like it, we'll take your place, but don't complain. These people came from everywhere to help us, and you have no business complaining. And she was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the rear guard action. Can you say amen? So there's a protection that comes, you know, around it. Then the security, you know, they said, well, you have to have, we have security from the city. You can't have your own security. Security from the city, and they were all there, and they were, they were ready for big things. And one of them said to me, because I talked to all the security guards. I said, tell me, you know, what's this event compared to others? He goes, you have no idea. This is like, this is like, you know, this is like, the one guy said, it's like an ice cream truck. It's like, this is like Disney World compared to what we have here. And I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, this is nothing. We, don't, we had no problems ever with your group at all. We can't believe it. So there's some kind of protection that comes. Now, this even happens in small events. In my little town of Weimar, right next to Weimar College and, a, and uh, its associate um, entities, we did a free clinic for the community. And I went to the Weimar Country Store. <laughs> Not this one, there's another one. For those of you from Weimar, there's another one down by the post office, but I couldn't, they don't post pictures of that store on the internet. I guess they're not successful enough, but this one made it, as you can tell why. And um, so I go in there, and, uh, and uh, there's this man that comes in, and he goes, look at this flyer. These people from Weimar, they came to my house again, and they dropped this flyer off. They're always bugging me, tormenting me. And she, it's talking to the, the lady at the counter. And the lady at the counter goes, well, haven't you heard what they did for the community after the fire? 
They went and helped everyone. And didn't you hear about the dental clinic? And didn't you hear about this? Didn't you hear about all the stuff they're doing for us? You should be ashamed of yourself. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm behind there, right? And I think they're going to notice who I am. So like, I'm behind the the uh, the, the place where the bread is, and I'm kind of going, you know. And then she starts defending us, you know. She's like, you know, they did this and that, and they helped my one of my friends, and they did this for them. And I'm like, mm. and then I say. Yeah. And then I come up and I say, you know, I just want to introduce myself. <laughs> so God protects us when we're involved helping people with medical missionary work, right? Amen? Amen. It's an amazing thing. And you know, going door to door, I have no problem going to door in my community now. We go door to door, you know, like, I'd just like to tell you another report about what we've been doing for the community. In fact, like I said the other day, I went to the liquor store and said, hey, I'm the pastor of your church. She goes, I don't go to church. I said, I don't care. I'm still the pastor of your church. So when you want to come, it's there. And then she goes, are you the one that did, are you the people that did this and that and the other? So medical missionary work is protective. Can you say amen? amen. Now, number four. So we saw the protection. Number four, a prophetic perspective next. Um, there is, in our culture, a battle, a great controversy, between two health messages. The first and second beast of Revelation 13 are in the process of healing the deadly wound. How many think that sounds like a health message? Actually, it's scabbing over. But anyway, it's a healing of a deadly wound, right? And there's this healing of the deadly wound. And their head guy wears almost looks like a surgical suit, nice and white. Looks like, you know, looks like he's ready to go into the operating room. Can you say amen? And he, here he is in this theater. And, uh, of activity, and, and he says things like this, what the church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds. Now, how does he say he's going to heal them? He's going to go through a legislative process that will put laws in place, tell everybody what to do, and he's going to, of course, be in charge of that. That's his idea. And there are promotions of false medical missionary work, if you see in Revelation chapter 13. You know, there's fire that comes down. There's various miraculous signs. There's power, right, involved. It's based on a false set of commandments. Have you ever noticed that in Revelation 13? What does it say? What does it say? Uh, everyone will, he will cause everyone to worship the beast. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This power will make an image to the beast, which is legislation. But what's the second commandment? Thou shalt not make any graven image. They'll take the name of the beast. He's actually saying we need to have a world authority, and, 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 and uh, that's moral. I wonder who that is. A universal, a Catholic system, right? And uh, take the name. What's the third commandment? Thou shalt not take the name of the name of the beast. And then, what's the next commandment uh, that's in the list? The fourth commandment. And this power says, look, in fact, in the latest encyclical by the Pope, you know what he said? The way to heal climate change is, what you need to do to heal climate change is to celebrate the Eucharist, which, of course, who's, who is it that, what is the Eucharist in that theology? It is the creation of Christ in the form of a, wo of a wafer that you take. Who does that? The priests. But what day should you especially do that on, according to his encyclical? On the new created Sabbath, and guess what the new created Sabbath is? Sunday. And what is the 
Fourth commandment. Receives the mark of the beast. You understand? So this system has a whole health message that's based on what? Counterfeit commandments. How many can see how the health message is specifically tied with the commandments? And that's in the religious sector. In the secular sector, there's an attack on the commandments from the secular side of things. Let me just give you the reason why. There's an increase in calls for homosexuality and uh, egalitarianism based on genderless society. How many of you are familiar with this? Let me ask you a question. How many of the commandments deal with that issue? Five of them. Five of the commandments are specifically heterosexual. Think about it for a minute. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children. Does that sound heterosexual to you? Honoring thy father and thy... Thou shalt not commit... Thou shalt not covet thy neighbors. Those are all what kind of commandments? They're heterosexual. But the clincher for me is the Sabbath commandment, which says what? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant. It's in masculine singular form. It's written to the head of the house that's to provide and protect for his family, but it's rooted in what? For in Six days the Lord made heaven, so it's rooted in creation, which shows you the relationship between husband and wife. It also is heterosexual. And it's rooted in natural law. How many can see we're living in interesting times? So the health message is directly tied. It is a demonstration of faithfulness to the Ten Commandments. Specifically the Sabbath commandment. Are you following me with this? This is fascinating to me. So it's seeking a false unity, that system, based on a false Sabbath, which is coercively enforced. We'll make laws and make you do it. Now, we're part of the other system. We're part of the remnant, right? And it's a faithful remnant of Revelation 14. comes together in beautiful unity to bring true healing through what? True medical missionary work that focuses on the constraining agape love of God, which draws the love of Christ does what? Constrains us. And so when we go out in our pathway events, when we go out in our different events, we're demonstrating the love of Christ in such a way where people go, what? Uh, How can I hang out with you a little bit more? Where is your church? Tell me about your principles. And that's the constraining love of Christ that's drawing people. Can you say amen to that? And then you have true unity that's based on an uncompromised keeping of his commandments. Right? That's the picture. And that's why health ministry is much more than a procedure. It's much more than a, it's much more than a, a poultice. It's much more than a, uh, than, a, than a surgical thing, even though those are important. Because what it is, is it's demonstrating the love of God and the love of God, if you love me, keep my commandments. The love of God is defined by his commandment love. How many of you are with me on this? And the ultimate definition then would be what? The rest and rejuvenation found in the Sabbath commandment. That's the picture. Especially the Sabbath with its vanguard action creation. Creation was the first thing God did. Vanguard, right? And his rearward action, redemption. Can you say amen? All right, so let's go on. Let me look at, I'll show you this. This, this, now, this is looking at military terms. 
The vanguard action is the first angel's message. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the what kind of gospel? The everlasting gospel to preach to every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. That's vanguard action. And then you have, what's the next thing? Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, by the way, those are health things. Drunk, fornication, they kind of go together. How many of you have noticed this? And so you don't, you only understand it from a health perspective, but notice it says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And in Daniel 5, you had the type where a young man decided to go into addictive things and everything else where Daniel didn't do that, but he did that. And what happened? His entire nation fell as a result of his addictions. And by the way, do we have people in America that are falling to addictions? Do they need to be reached with the everlasting gospel? Right? So that's the first fall. But now we're living in the time of the second fall, Revelation 18, where it shows Babylon, the city, falling again. And God's people are there. There's people, Revelation 18, for come out of her, my people, yes, you, lest you share in her plagues. And so our mission and pathway to health and in any health work is to do what? Is to reach out and say, we want to get you out. Do we need to have a mission to the cities? Do we need to reach every single major city? Do we need to have a mission to the small towns? Do we need to reach every single small town? Why? Because Babylon has fallen. It's fallen. But then notice, vanguard action, and then there's these flank actions, and then the final rearguard action, the third angel's message, and it's pictured in, in a group of people. Uh, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments and have the what? Now, let me show you something that's very, very interesting in that van rear guard action. Look at this. This is going to blow you away. Remember I told you, shared with you, that that rear guard action is the final action of a military movement, right? Here is the patience of the saints. Do you know that word patience means? It's the word, uh, um, well, I'm, I guess I'm summarizing here. It is the word uh, hupomone, patience. What does that mean? Hupo means under. Um, under. So you're under something. And then mone means to stay behind and to stay alive. So it's someone who's under orders that they're in the battle and they're going to stay behind, rear ward action, and they're going to stay alive. They're going to win the battle for God. Can you say amen? Here is the rear guard action of God. Here is the patience of the saints. And notice how they used it in ancient literature. The Greeks used this word, hupapomone, hupapomone, to describe soldiers who volunteered to hold a position while the rest of the army moved on. And it's not hard to see how the word came to me to stand fast, to stand term, to resist, to hold one's ground, to be immovable. In other words, God's last day people are a patient people who don't compromise their commandment keeping principles. Why? Because they have the faith of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? They so believe Jesus that they're going to help people according to his principles even to the last remnant of time in that rear guard action. How many of you are part of that army? And notice, it's voluntary. It's not coercive. You must stay behind. No. It's a volunteer. How many want to volunteer for God? The Lord will show his power in the day of volunteers, it says somewhere in the Bible. Amen? And that's why, you know, Pathway to Health events are made up of volunteers. 
Nobody's getting paid. People are taking time off work, and they're coming from around the country. Uh, doctors and dentists and other clinicians and their staffs and people that aren't distracted by medical things so they can focus on people come as well. We need everybody that is alive and can breathe and likes people. And, 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 and you know, we not only need the providers, but we need people that don't know anything about it. Because, you know, it's like me, I'm a nurse. I'm like, I wonder, I'd like to see that procedure. No, no, no. Look at the person next to you. Go with them through the event. Are you with me? So we need a lot of people there in every event that don't know anything. And in your local church, too, you can do that. By the way, um, you, you work with what you have. And medical missionary work is finding a need and meeting it. It's not really complicated. Okay, are you with me? All right, fifth, that end-time application. Finally, health ministry, intercession, and unified action are directly linked to the promise of direction and protection given in Isaiah 58. Look at this. In visions of night reparations or representations as they pass before me, showing the results of presenting the truth in the simplicity of true godliness. I seem to be in a gathering of our people. So here she is looking at the end of time. And they're presenting the truth in simplicity, the everlasting gospel. The sick were being healed. Can you say amen? The spirit of intercession was on the people. In other there was fasting and there was prayer. How many think that's important? Urgent appeals were made. Hearts were subdued and broken before the Lord. Many confessed their sins. You know, I've got to tell you something. In these pathway events, I had people that came to me. I felt almost like a Catholic priest. I had to tell them, no, don't tell me that. And they were just saying, I was going to tell you. And their hearts were so broken by the, because of what had happened and the gratitude. They wanted to make things right with God. Amen? That's the picture. On every side, doors were thrown open for the proclamation of truth. And genuine conversions were made. I heard a voice of intercession. And then I heard a voice of rejoicing. And I said, this is a work like that which was done in 1843-1844. Remember when they cleansed their hearts because they looked, Jesus is coming again. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that this is describing not just people in the public, but it's God's remnant, his Laodicean remnant that's coming alive as a result of medical missionary work. And God is actually reaching them as a result of what's happening with the public. I've seen that happen in my, my church over uh, 13 years in Wichita. The Lord is sending to us repeated instruction, pointing us to the importance of becoming earnest, diligent workers. We have an important work to do, a work that will not work, wait, a work that can be accomplished only in the power of the Spirit and under the guidance and direction of Christ. Uh, man, we could spend so much time talking about that. Let every believer at this time show himself a worker together with God. Let all differences be put away. All light, meaningless talk. Let us speak and act righteously. And the Lord will work with every school, soul who will yield heart and mind to his control. To all who will be led by the Spirit, God will impart his righteousness. Can you say Hallelujah. And his glory will be their front guard and their rear reward, their rear guard. Can you see how Isaiah 58, 8 applies to you if you become involved in medical missionary work? There is missionary work to be done in many unpromising places. <laughs> I like that. It's not like promising places only. You say, wait, my town's very unpromising. That's where we need to do the work then. 
many unpromising places. Now is our time and opportunity to do this work. God requires that believers shall take up the work that is waiting to be done and do it with earnestness and diligence. And I know that the work, now I'm going to switch to something I think you're going to find fascinating. I know the work that you're engaged in is the very work that should be done in connection with the third angel's message. As the hand is connected with the body, I have no fears of workers who are engaged in the work represented in the 58th chapter of Isaiah. So look, when you're involved in this kind of work, you're not only protected, but God doesn't fear you anymore. He says, wait, I can really use people like that. How many of you have some problem people in your church? This is not being taped. Oh, look at all the hands. Man, I wish you could see what I can see. And how many of you want to bring a solution to the pollution? The solution to the pollution is dilution. By God's word through medical missionary work, reaching out to others. Yes? Yes. Okay, now I want to show you one last thing that I think is fascinating. Because remember, what have I said? And I tried to prove it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what the Bible, Spirit, and Prophets say. Yes or no? Medical missionary work affords or gives end-time protection. Have I made that case? Can you see that? How many believe that's true? All right, number two. Now, would you like to see the protection within the protection? How many would like to see the Intel chip inside? Well, actually, the Macintosh chip inside. How many would like to see the what's inside, what's driving it? How many really want to see it? I mean, this is the Sabbath. You want to see something special on the Sabbath. All right. Well, I happen to have that. Let's look at the protection within the protection. Now, to introduce this part, I want to go through some email exchanges that were uh, covered back in 2014. Man emails this airline agency says, here are my flight needs. I've got to go from Sydney to Hong Kong to uh, wherever he needs to go. Secondly, he says, I have some work I need to do on Saturday. Please get me there on time. I've got work to do on Saturday. I'm in this meeting. Make sure and get me there on time to his travel agency. Uh, back in New York, and the man in New York says, you know, I don't like flying Jews on Shabbat. I can take out that leg if you want, and you can book it yourself. So his travel agency is a Jew, and he says, look, I don't book travel for Jews on the Sabbath. I'm against it. It's against my commandment. So if you want to book it, fine. I'm not booking it for you. How many of you can say amen? Hello? How many of you can say amen? How many of you want to attach that amen to what I just said. Okay, so, you are right, he writes back, I should be more observant of the Sabbath, he says. Well, he runs out of time, and then what happens? Holy God, you heard what happened to flight Malaysian Airlines 370. You saved my life. Whoa. He didn't go on that flight because there was someone who was worried about the Sabbath commandment. He said, look, I don't want to be involved in breaking the Sabbath. You can do it yourself if you want. And then he didn't do it. And his life was spared. Look at this. I'm so happy for you. No, I am not the lifesaver. God and Shabbat were your lifesavers. You owe them something. Here was the news article. Jewish traveler saved from lost Malaysia flight by Orthodox agent assisting on Shabbat observance. In the article, I saw this little phrase. More than the Jews have kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath has kept the Jews. Can you say amen out there? So look, the protection within the protection was what? 
Medical missionary work is the outplaying of Ten Commandment love. Did I make that case earlier? And within the Ten Commandments, there's a special commandment, the seal of the commandments, that is the heart of the protection within the protection. Can you say amen? amen. Now let's look at it. Let me see if, I mean, maybe this is just a Jewish thing. Maybe this, these Pharisees keep the, this like, I mean, this is, these are Jews, right? Well, let's look a little closer. The Sabbath and medical missionary work. Um, now, I, I, let me tell you a little backstory of this before I go through this quote. So let's go back there so you don't read in advance. Uh, when we got into this pathway to health thing, you know we're doing these big clinics, we realized there are going to be all kinds of logistics. We recognize that people's needs have to be taken care of the Sabbath. Sometimes there's acute needs. Look, I'm a registered nurse. I used to work in a hospital and whatnot, and then I found these quotes that I gave all my money away when I worked in the hospital on the Sabbath and whatnot. But there were necessary things that had to be done. People are sick, you take care of them. But when we're setting up a clinic, should we do it on the Sabbath or not? We decided not to have the clinic on the Sabbath. And uh, there were some great blessings that came out of that, and it was only after the fact that I started to look at that a little more closely because people were asking me some questions. And these are some of the quotations that came across. And by the way, did Jesus heal on the Sabbath? Of course, seven Sabbath miracles. Sometimes, uh, you know, things that had been let go for 30 years or whatnot. So even elective things, sometimes he did on the Sabbath. But he didn't primarily do that on the Sabbath. He did teaching and preaching, right? And it usually was within the context of a worship setting where someone came and then he would heal them. Right? To show that he was actually, it was to show more of his divinity than his humanity. His humanity was not on display in his healing acts. His divinity was on display. And when he healed people, they were going like, this is not just a man, this is God. Now, nobody has done that when I'm involved in a clinic. They don't ever think I'm God. You know, they don't think that. You know, uh, but when he says, stretch forth your hand, or 38 years of a back problem, or when the flow of blood for 12 years is gone, that's divine. That's not human. That's a miracle. All right? So keep that in mind. Now, look at these. The Sabbath and medical missionary work. Often physicians are called upon the Sabbath to minister to the sick, and it is impossible for them to take time to rest and devotion, for rest and devotion. The Savior has shown by his example that it is right to relieve suffering on this day. But physicians and nurses should do no necessary, unnecessary work. Ordinary treatment and operations that can wait should be deferred till the next day. Let the patients know that physicians must have one day of rest. The Lord says, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. How many think that's kind of interesting? Now, there's a couple reasons that we discovered in our, our, our clinics that this was actually pretty wise counsel, although I don't know that we thought a lot about it, but uh, here's one of the reasons. How can you, someone comes to your clinic, you get 7,000 people to come to your clinic, we've had that before, <laughs> and they come to your clinic and you say, Sorry, unnecessary, you're out of here. How many of you want to be in that line? Well, that's not, that's not, 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 no, that's not necessary. It's much better <laughs> to have your clinic on another day than the Sabbath. Can you say amen? Right? So there's some logistics. But notice here, uh, as you communicate why it is that your clinic is not on the Sabbath, should that come up, 
It's never come up for us because we do our clinics on Wednesday, Thursday, maybe Friday the latest, and all the time we're inviting them to the Sabbath that comes afterwards because we want them to experience not just the physical healing and spiritual healing that happens in the clinic, but also that high spiritual healing that only comes through worship and praise and through uh, deepening faith. How many of you remember when Christ said, your faith has made you well, your faith has made you well? Well, where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And where does that come from? Preaching. People like me wouldn't have a job. Amen? And that increases our faith. And there's healing. How many of you have ever seen healings on the Sabbath? Uh, many times we do anointing services on the afternoon and whenever I have one in my church and we claim the promise in God's word of James 5 and guess what happens? The prayer of faith will save the sick. I remember one little child that was, uh, shouldn't, I mean, was just a newborn and developed pyelonephritis. So how in the world did you develop that? It was some, some kind of internal uh, nephritis that had developed and there was no exposure to anything on the outside. It was just kind of weird. And sure enough, that's what it was, and it was, the temperature was spiking. We went and had an anointing for that little guy. He was instantly healed. God is still present to do instant healings, and I think he likes to do those, especially on the Sabbath. Many times Christ's acts of healing were more spiritual than physical on the Sabbath. There were signal cases. Secondly, on, on another time we had a lady that broke her wrist. Very, very painful. And we had a prayer of anointing for her. She went, she said, I don't know, it feels better. She started to play the piano. We were like, wow. Most of the pain was gone. She went back the next day. The orthopedist who had taken the films before told her she never could play the piano again. She said, I don't know what happened, but that bone just moved. And, she, and her, her, her wrist was completely healed and she was able to play the piano again. Does God still do that? And I think there's special things that happen on that day. Okay, let's go, go on. How many of you get the principle here? Defer unnecessary things. How many of you get that? And okay, next one. Let no man, because he is a physician, feel at liberty to disregard this word of the Lord. He should plan his work so as to obey God's requirements. God's requirements concerning what? Sabbath. He should not travel on the Sabbath except when there is real suffering to be alleviated. Should we still alleviate real suffering if it's in our power to do so? Yes. When this is the case, it is not a desecration of the Sabbath for physicians to travel on a day, but what does it say next? Ordinary cases should be what? Deferred. What does that mean? Put on another day. We don't even get into that in Pathway to Health because we don't do it on the Sabbath, okay? And so, uh, so we, we're on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and God has really blessed that. Wherefore, he declares, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a, what kind of covenant? Perpetual covenant. Those who do this, keeping all God's commandments, may claim what promise? What are we studying today? Isaiah 58. May claim the promises contained in Isaiah 58, including the rear guard action promise. Can you say amen? How many want to claim that promise? This instruction is given in this chapter as full and decided. Those who refrain from labor on the Sabbath day may claim divine comfort and consolation. Shall we not believe God? Shall we not call holy the day which he calls holy? Men should not be ashamed to acknowledge as sacred that which God calls sacred. Should not be ashamed to do that which God has commanded. Obedience will bring him a knowledge. Obedience will, will what? Bring him a knowledge of what constitutes true sanctification. How many want to understand more what constitutes true sanctification? 
then defer the cases, don't do unnecessary labor, and then you'll be able to even understand more fully what holiness is. Let there be no robbery of God in tithes and offerings, no desecration of his holy time. Man is not to do his own pleasure in God's holy day. He has six days in which to work at secular business, but God claims the seventh is his own. In it, he says, thou shalt not do any work. The servant of the Lord will call sacred that which God calls sacred. He will show that he has made chosen, uh, that he has chosen the Lord as his leader. The Sabbath was made in Eden when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Let us keep it pure and holy. Now, is there protection that comes as a result of that? This is what I was wondering, because remember, if you take care of the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take care of you, right? <laughs> Let's see if there is. For those who, for whatever cause, are obliged to work on the Sabbath, they are, those who, from, from whatever cause, are obliged to work on the Sabbath, are, what does it say next? Always in what? They fill the loss, and from doing works of necessity... They fall into the habit of doing things on the Sabbath that are not necessary. How many of you don't want to be in peril unless you can help it? The sense of its sacredness is lost. The Holy Commandment is of no effect. A special effort should be made to bring about a reform in regard to what? Sabbath observance. His word must be our guide in all things. And if poverty comes because we abide by a plane, thus saith the Lord, we must abide by it even at the loss of everything else. Now I'm going to tell you something about this. Our folks in the pathway to hell, nearly 4,000 people now that have volunteered, um, between three and 4,000 people, many clinicians and their staffs, and whatnot, they've taken off the time during the week to come. That's costly. That's costly. They've, they've done that. And, and, uh, and that's been voluntary. You know, they're doing that. And it's amazing what hap has happened as a result of that. Some of them have brought staff members with them, and the staff members recognize that they're losing a lot of revenue during the week because they know the numbers. And they're making decisions to follow the Lord because they see that sacrifice. Can you say amen to that? And even the patients that come to the clinics are also impacted. Let me give you one example. Um, she came to me saying, do you know what I just discovered? This is a lady that talked to me, and I wrote it up as a little testimony I sent to someone the other day. What's that? I replied, I just discovered that these professionals, these dentists, these doctors, these people are volunteering their time, all of them, during the week. I said, yes. They could be making money, but instead they came to this city, they came to my town, and they came here to help me. Yes, I said in a querying manner. Well, she stammered, now in tears. They've been making a lot of money, and I mean, this is right during... By this time, the lady was in tears, and she said to me, I need to know more about your church. What is it that would cause people to be so caring? Don't get me wrong, this is a great city, but I've never met so many caring people in one place. As I finished the conversation with her, I realized something. That I was happy that we had done the clinic during the week that totally impacted her heart. And she was there that Sabbath day to find out about who those Adventists are. So in the Pathway Clinics, what we're doing is we're trying to, to uh, serve people 
uh, during the week where we're not hampered between unnecessary and necessary issues. And then as a result of that, we serve them, their gratitude goes up, and we don't finish our event during the week. We have it go through Sabbath so they can also enjoy the healing aspect of praise and worship on the Sabbath day. How many think that might be a good plan? Now, let me tell you, in my own local church, for years we did the same thing. We would have our uh, health evangelism during the week, and then on Sabbath I would have a physician preach, because they were afraid, frankly, of ministers. Um, and I would do like a lesson, and then we'd have a meal together with them. And many of them, that, they enjoyed their first Sabbath, and they, they kept coming to church. Now, let me close this up because this. How many think it's important to know the protection of God with medical missionary work? How many think there's there's something important about what we're studying? And how many think it's important to know the protection within the protection? Now let me look at this protection within the protection. One last thing. This made me kind of go when I read it, and I don't often do that. I might be on medication if I did. Okay, testimonies, volume two, page seven hundred two. All heaven. How much? was represented to me as beholding and watching upon the Sabbath those who acknowledge the claims of the fourth commandment. Do you wonder what the angels are doing right now? They're watching you. Right? And angels are making their interest in and high regard for this divine institution by watching. Those who sanctified the Lord God in their hearts by, by a strictly devotional frame of mind and who sought to improve the sacred hours and keeping the Sabbath to the best of ability and to honor God by calling the Sabbath a delight, these, the angels, look what the angels are doing, were specially blessing with light and health and special strength was given to them. Can you say amen? So the angels are coming down and they're giving you special light. They're giving you health. They're giving you strength. Did you wonder why you feel so good today? Right? It's because that you've set it aside as God set it aside and now he's giving you, he's sending his angels and they're strengthening you with light and with power and special strength. How many of you don't want to miss that? Now look at the other side of it. But, on the other hand, the angels were turning from those who failed to appreciate the sacredness of God's sanctified day and were removing from them their light and their strength. How many think that's kind of sobering? I saw them overshadowed with a cloud, desponding and frequently sad. They felt a lack of the Spirit of God. Testimonies, volume 2, page 702. Man, it looks like Ellen White already knew about this protecting power of the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? Now let's review, and then we'll close. Um, the Exodus observation, the cloud moves from the front to the back, gives rear guard protection. The Isaiah observation, he will be your front guard and your rear guard. The end time promise of protection. The prophetic perspective of looking at what's happening of the false health message and, and, and the false Sabbath and the false commandments versus the true health message and the true Sabbath and the true commandments and false unity versus true unity and coercion versus constraining love and power. And then the end time application that we looked at together. Now here's something I found fascinating. 
just because tomorrow is Sunday. We've covered what happens on the Sabbath. Amen. How many want to get a day rush? How many believe, believe we're, we're, we're living at the end of time? How many believe what I've said today? You've seen it. Now, let me just say this. There's coming a time, very soon, I believe, when the last work to be done will be medical missionary work. And there will be laws passed by that coercive power that's claiming to heal the whole world, probably under the guise of climate change. Right? And when those, that time comes, how many of you want to be ready to be uncompromised and be ready? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments and have the faith of Jesus. How many want to be that? So you're ready because you haven't compromised at all in any way. The angels are hovering around. You're really strong for that last battle, right? Now look at this. What does Ellen White picture as what's going to happen during that time when those laws are passed? What should we be doing? God has revealed what is to take place in the last days, that his people may be prepared to stand against the tempest and opposition and wrath. How many can say, hallelujah, he's telling us what to do? What should we do? Those who have been warned of events before them are not to sit in calm, idle expectation of the coming storm, comforting themselves that the Lord will shelter his faithful ones in the day of trouble. We are to be as men waiting for their Lord, not in idle expectancy, but earnest work with unwavering faith. It is no time now to allow our minds to be engrossed with things of minor importance. Well, what should we do? It is our duty to do on our part to avert the threatened danger. We should endeavor to disarm prejudice by placing ourselves in a proper light before the people. How many think that happens with pathway to health events? How many think that happens with medical missionary work? We should bring before them the real question at issue, thus interposing the most effectual protest against measures to restrict liberty or conscience. We should search the scriptures and be able to give a reason for our faith. Now, that's what we should be doing. How many want to be about your father's business? Medical missionary work. Well, what should our schools be doing? Well, they asked that question down of Ella White, who was putting up a pattern school, the Avondale School. And I found this fascinating because I work at a school, and we have a church, and I'm saying, what should we do at our school? Well, here's what she says. At one time, those in charge of our school at Avondale inquired of me, saying, what shall we do? The offices of law have been commissioned to arrest those working on Sunday. So at that time, there was some kind of Sunday law. I replied, how many think this is kind of interesting? What should we do? Here it is. It will be very easy to avoid that difficulty. Give Sunday to the Lord as a day for doing medical missionary work. Can you say hallelujah? Take the students out to hold meetings in the different places and do medical missionary work. They will find the people at home. <laughs> they can't work. They're at home. Hallelujah. <laughs> they will find the people at home and will have a splendid opportunity to present the truth. This way of spending Sunday is always acceptable to the Lord. You know, I think a lot of Adventists think that Sunday is more sacred than Sabbath. Don't ask me to do anything on Sunday. That's my family time. I mean, I think Sunday might be a great day for medical missionary work. I mean, it's a weekend. People can come that couldn't come other days of the week. Amen? All right, so anyway, we haven't done that at Pathways yet. We've usually done Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but we're not against Sunday. Uh, we are to do all we can to remove the prejudice that exists in the minds of many against our work and against the Bible Sabbath. Teach the people to conform in all things to the laws of the state when they can do so, not, uh, they can do so 
without conflicting with the law of God. Sometimes the hearts of the persecutors are susceptible of divine impressions, as was the heart of the Apostle Paul before his conversion. Fascinating quote. How am I going to get ready for Sunday medical missionary work? And then the final one. And then one last story and we'll close. When we devote Sunday to missionary work, notice this, the whip will be taken out of the hands of the arbitrary zealots who would be well pleased to humiliate Seventh-day Adventists. How many want to take the whip out of the hands of other people? When they see that we employ ourselves on Sunday in visiting the people and opening the scriptures, then they will know that it is useless for them to try and hinder our work by making Sunday laws. <laughs> Doesn't work! We just put everybody in their houses and look, they're going to visit them at their houses! What are we going to do? Don't make any more laws. How many of you are glad you know this? Sunday can be used for caring for various lines of work that will accomplish much for the Lord. On this day, open air meetings and cottage meetings can be held. House to house work can be done. Those who write can devote this day to writing their articles. Whenever it is possible, let religious services be held on Sunday. Make these meetings intensely interesting. Sing genuine revival hymns and speak with power and assurance of the Savior's love. Speak on temperance, that's health, and on true religious experience. You will thus learn much about how to work and reach many souls. Let the teachers devote Sunday to missionary effort. Take the students out with them. How many think this is fascinating counsel? There it is. Now I want to end with the last story. By the way, have we learned something today? How many of you are thankful for the protective power of medical missionary work? It is what? It is because medical missionary is displaying the love of God, which is described in his Ten Commandment law, but they're displaying that, that they're protected. But what was the protection within the protection? It was the Sabbath commandment as the seal of God, right? Did we see that? Now, let me tell you a story, and we'll end. Back in ancient England, there was a Sabbatarian by the name of Dr. Peter Chamberlain. He was a nonconformist and for some years a Baptist pastor. He actually was a Sunday Baptist. He was a Sabbatarian. And he was an expert physician. He happened to be an OBGYN. He delivered babies. And uh, he had developed a special way to deliver babies. And the royalty really were into delivering babies because this is how they got new kings and queens. And they wanted to have the best physician possible. Well, there were some other currents within the country that passed Sunday laws or laws against Sabbath keepers, and they started to be taken away, put in jail and stuff. And that head physician of the time said, wait a minute, you can't do this to my people. And he went to the royalty, and he said, look, what can we do? And because of his faithfulness, his expertise and competence in medical missionary work, and his faithfulness to the Sabbath, guess what happened? They let him out of jail, and they let everybody else out of jail. His faithfulness to God in medical missionary work, and also on the Sabbath, brought protection to everyone at that time. And there was a group of people called Seventh-day Baptists who arose. And later, one of their followers told the early Adventist believers all about the Sabbath. And now you know the rest of the story. How many are going to be 
God's Dr. Chamberlain of today. Be rising to the top level of competence you can, doing medical missionary work for God in this end time as a part of God's rearward action and being faithful to him. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments and have the faith of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you today for your rear guard action you desire to bring. We want to be faithful to you. We want to commit our lives to you so that when you come again, you can take us to glory. We'll serve there for a thousand years and we'll get ready for that final, final battle where we're just going to be evidence of your glory and your power. And the whole universe will be cleansed and all heaven and all the universe will be health. We thank you and we come in Christ's name. Amen and amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.